Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. Many chefs spend their entire careers content to run a single restaurant, but others have a different vision, one that encompasses multiple locations or even various kinds of eateries. This week, we take a look at three such New Orleans restaurateurs and find out how they've gone about building their empires. We'll begin with Chef Aaron Burgau, who opened his first restaurant, Patois, 16 years ago. Since then, he's opened or acquired four more dining spots, each one completely different than the last. Aaron shares the secrets to his success. Next, restaurateur Greg Tillery recalls the leap of faith that led him to buy a food truck, where he learned, through trial and error, how to run a business, and how those efforts led to his Wee Dat's Chicken and Shrimp, with locations now in three different states. Finally, we look back at one of New Orleans' most colorful culinary characters, the late Al Copeland, who built a fast food empire with his spicy Popeye's fried chicken. This kitchen rags to chicken riches story is the subject of the book, Secrets of a Tastemaker and Al Copeland Jr.'s here to tell us all about it. We're climbing the culinary ladder of success on this week's Louisiana Eats. After graduating from culinary school, New Orleanian Aaron Burgau returned home to work for some of the city's most renowned chefs. In 2007, he established his fine dining restaurant, Patois, featuring homey elegance and, as he describes it, Louisiana cuisine with a French accent. But Aaron could never be accused of having a culinary type. In the past 16 years, he's also opened or acquired a legendary steakhouse, a lakefront seafood and oyster bar, an expansive barbecue spot that doubles as a wedding venue, and most recently, a family-oriented Tex-Mex place. I'm Chef Aaron Burgau of uh, Patois Restaurant, Charlie's Steakhouse, Station 6, La Cruces, and Central City Barbecue. Woo! Aaron Burgau, chef and restaurateur. <laughs> that's, that's your new title for me. How did this all begin? Are, are, you, are you from New Orleans? I am. I grew up in Metairie, went to Jesuit, went to LSU, went to culinary school out at Johnson & Wales, and uh, moved back home. Fresh out of culinary school, I worked for Susan Spicer, which, you know, she's incredible. Still great friends to this day. She taught me a lot, you know, how to 
have an eye for detail, how to, you know, think like a chef, how to not just go through the motions, how to, you know, instead of heating stuff up, how to use your taste buds, how to think about why this does this, why instead of just heating something up. What happens when you heat this up? What happens when this gets cold? You know, what happens when hollandaise breaks? Why does it break? Not just it broke. Okay, well, why did it break? How do you fix it? You know, stuff like that. And then I worked for Gerard Maris, and uh, who's my biggest mentor. I mean, I just worked for him a lot longer. Just creating some great relationships with a lot of chefs in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, you know, pride myself on being, trying to be polite to everyone here and everybody, no egos and being humble and being from New Orleans because it's a small town, you know. You get a bad reputation and or a reputation as a hothead or a not desirable person to hang out with, you know, it kind of goes a long way. So just try to live my life and uh, raise kids and have a good family. Let's go back to when you finally get your own restaurant, Patois. How did Patois come about? Tell me the concept. How long has it been there? It's been 16 years. So I originally had a partner, uh, Leon, well, two partners, brothers, Leon and Pierre Tuzet, great guys. The old Norby's became available, and uh, we bought the property, and and Leon and I ran the ran the restaurant for what about uh, probably like thirteen, twelve or thirteen years. We ran it together. You know, we we got a good reputation. We have a good um, local presence in in uptown, and um, get a good amount of tourists come in and come dine with us. And uh, it's it's been a blessing. It's easy to understand why people look at Patois as their home away from home. It has just enough elegance and just enough casual for everybody to be comfortable. Correct. Well, that is an accomplishment in and of itself. But when and how do you begin the expansion? What happens next? So we basically just kind of ran it, and that was the only thing I really had. And uh, my wife and I, we bought a commercial uh, building right off of Oak Street, and we opened up a commissary kitchen for a lot of the people to get started, like Beth Biondo and Impanola, Chompnola, a couple other people kind of went through there, and uh, Ralph Brennan rented, rented it for a while. And then it's just things kind of started falling in place. We had Paradigm Gardens, uh, us and Coquette, and we would use that and do some events there, and there was always this cool space across the street from Paradigm Gardens, which is right down the street from where we are now. And uh, we're like, man, that would be a great spot for a restaurant, you know. And and we had a chef, uh, a barbecue guy in, in, in place, and uh, we kind of just built it out from there. Central City uh, Barbecue. barbecue. Yep. I yes, mean, you, yeah. I'll never forget the first time I ate at Central City Barbecue. I, I sat down outside in that great, expansive place yep. with that great barbecue in front of me. Yeah. That, that property has been through... I mean, you, you use it as a festival space. Yep. How big is it? How much of the it's, city block does it's it It's 50,000 square foot of outdoor space. And I believe, like, uh, what is it, 6,000 indoor. So we, we actually have kind of created our little niche there. We have concerts there. We have crawfish boils. We do a lot of weddings, believe it or not. And it, it, the catering aspect of it's incredible as far as barbecue goes. But, you know, we've kind of built that. And then, uh, you know, we're just kind of trugging along and – and we're opening a Tex-Mex um, restaurant right off of Labar and Airline behind the uh, Planet Fitness there. And um, 
kind of going to capture that old Metairie crowd. Describe it for well, me. Like, it's a what? big kind of a weird lot. It's like a triangle-shaped lot. You can, you've probably seen it. And it's, I think we're going to do about, what, 200 seats plus, something like that. Wow. And we have a good little venue, uh, uh, a lot of outdoor space for the kids. Plenty of room for the kiddos to kind of, you know, mess around and, and then hang out at and have a good time while the, while the parents hopefully have a few cocktails and uh, and enjoy some delicious food. So this is part of the Aaron Burgau overall scheme, it seems, which is so interesting to me. If you're going to do a project, you're going to own the property, yes. right? Yes, and I found it's easy to, like the past two restaurants I was – able to purchase recently. I've both been successful restaurants and it's kind of had an infrastructure already in the staff already, like at Charlie's, um, the manager was the, uh, the the gentleman that passed away, Matt Dwyer, a great guy. Um, we purchased it from his family after he passed. So um, you acquired Charlie's and then most is there anything that comes between? No. Char- okay, no. Charlie's and Station Six. Yeah, Station Six is a about you know. About Station three. Six was kind of a big surprise, I think, to all of us. Yeah, it was kind of a big surprise to me. I heard news about I guess eight to ten months ago that they might be selling, and I was friends with the owners and Drew and Allison Nolan. I called Drew, and he's like, "No, man, what'd you hear that from?" And I was like, "I don't know. I mean, I just heard that." He's like, "Well, you know, possibly, I guess. I mean, we'll think." I was like, "Well, think about it." So, you know, fast forward eight months and um, kind of made the deal done. And first thing always comes, to, you know, question always comes, are you going to change anything? He's like, no. This is why I bought it, you know. <laughs> My manager, you know, Dawn, Michelle, she's awesome. She first she called me like, you know, hey, do I need to start looking for a new job? You know, like, you know, she's very straightforward. And um, we became great friends. And uh, Chef Jeremy over there, Latimer, uh, who's worked with Drew for a long time, he remained intact and he's great. And. And you know, oh yeah, we, what do y'all we changing? Or you know, should we start looking for new jobs? Like no, this is why I bought the place. And I've been telling people recently, it's like you know, found it's a lot easier buying already successful restaurants. It's been kind of a lot easier of a, of a challenge per se to, to, than just you know buying starting a restaurant from um, from the ground up or or you know purchasing a project just kind of run it like you like it needs to be run. So I think they're got a good crew like I do at Patois that run my place. And I'm, but I'm there a lot. I'm there. I kind of, you know, get in my car, and I'm like, oh, are you going today? And it's like, okay, I'm going to go to, you know, I'll try to do all three. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, and I'll do two. <laughs> or, you know, Patois is still my uh, my baby, and, um, you know, if I need to, if they need to work, um, I need to work a pantry station or a brunch station, I'll work that. And same with Charlie's, you know. I've washed dishes on a Friday and Saturday night. People are like, yeah, right. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Yeah. You know, I, I had to do it, and. I worked at the, uh, the Onion Ring Station, and, and I always joke, and they would always mess with me, and I'm sitting over there. I was like, it's funny, huh? you never been fired by the fry cook, I bet you, before. You keep messing with me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, I, you know, I'm not afraid to, to get dirty and to, um, you know, do all the things you know, the owners need to do. That's a lot. A lot of things people say, you know, you're a chef, but you know, once you own your own restaurant, you you know, you kind of different things start pulling you in different directions. You got to take care of the plumbing. You got to take care of the electric. This goes wrong. That goes wrong. You know, you got to... You gotta have many hats, I guess you would say, to to run a restaurant and be available to do everything you need to do to get it done. What is it that drives you and interests you in so many ways? Well, it's kind of the whole thing. Like people, you know, now that I'm kind of successful doing this, I have other people calling me, "Hey, you know, you want to do this? You want to do that?" And it's 
you know, you can have a majority of it or, or take this, you know, or, or run it in this capacity. And, um, you know, I'm not going to turn down the money. So, you know, I'm not getting any younger and I'm almost 50. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah, so I got to turn big five Oh next year. So, you know, it's, it's something that I want to be able to be successful at and to put people in place to kind of, you know, start settling down and enjoy myself and enjoy watching my kids grow up. You know, I got a few more years before they ship them off to college. And, um, you know, we hang out on the hang out in Bay St. Louis a little bit and just try to enjoy them and do some hunting and fishing and um, just enjoy life too. Make have that balance. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for the conversation. No it was so oh, it was nice to have this talk with you today. Thank you. You're welcome. Quite welcome. That was Chef Aaron Burgau of Patois Restaurant, Central City Barbecue, Charlie's Steakhouse, Station 6, and Las Cruces. Coming up next, we speak with our youngest culinary entrepreneur, Greg Tillery of Weedat's Chicken and Shrimp. As of late, He's been busy expanding our culinary culture beyond our state's borders. Louisiana Eats returns after the break. Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Crystal Hot Sauce, now celebrating 100 years of hot sauce deliciousness. Always made with just three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt nothing artificial. Crystal hot sauce. Step out of the heat and into the flavor. From Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood straight from Louisiana's waterways. Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. Camellia is celebrating their centennial with innovations for today's lifestyle. Beans for two. If a bag of beans is too big for your family, Camellia's New Orleans-style red beans for two and Cajun-style white beans for two has everything needed for dinner in today's smaller households. Learn more at CamelliaBrand.com. How you doing? My name is Greg Tillery. I am the owner of Weedat's New Orleans Own Chicken and Shrimp. Greg Tillery took a different path to becoming a restaurateur. Seeing widespread layoffs at the corporation where he worked, Greg decided to strike out on his own, be his own boss. So he bought a food truck. The only problem was that 
He didn't know how to run a business. In fact, he really didn't know how to cook. But Greg didn't let that stop him. With determination and a lot of trial and error, he figured it out, eventually resulting in Wee Dat's Chicken and Shrimp, with locations today in Louisiana, Texas, and Alabama. Tell me where you come from before that food truck pops up in 2013. So I'm what they call a seven-ward hardhead. So (laughs) that was our nickname. But, yeah, I'm from the seven-ward. And how does food become your life? Well, I mean, I'm from New Orleans. You're from New Orleans. So food is life down here. So, um, But, you know, as far as me getting into food, I kind of always dibbled and dabbled with food, not uh, per se cooking. After I graduated from college and worked for Frito-Lay, one of the biggest salty snack companies in the world. So um, I kind of always kind of been handling food and been in that kind of industry. So So what makes you break out on your own? Because it sounds to me like you were on a pretty good corporate path. Yes. What happened? Uh, the economy. So what happened was is that I graduated from uh, Tuskegee University in Alabama, um, and then I started working for Frito-Lay as a district sales manager, and uh, PepsiCo as a whole wound up doing a company-wide layoff. Quaker, Tropicana, Pepsi, Frito-Lay, and Gatorade, they wound up doing a company-wide layoff. They didn't necessarily... Uh, lay me off, but uh, they laid off people that had been there for 20 plus years. Um, and I was watching uh, the the whole food truck phenom, the food truck show, you know, 10 plus years ago when that was starting to get, you know, popular and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, man, this is something that I can do. And um, from there, man, I just, you know, I'm always and have always been the type if I put my mind to it, it's placed on my heart. I go about and do it. You know, I knew nothing about cooking. I knew nothing about running a food truck. I knew nothing about running a business. And, um, you know, I really went through every, literally every trial and tribulation on that food truck uh, possible. So, you know, it, it, you know, but it was good. It was a, a great opportunity for me, you know, to take. But it was just, it was a big, huge leap of faith, honestly. But once you get a little taste of being your own boss, oh it's pretty intoxicating. Oh, yes, it? it is. Yes, it is. People think that they're working for financial gain, and you're really not working for the financial aspect of it. That comes along with it. What you're working for is your time. Your passion. Your, your passion, the things that you love to do. You get up in the morning, and you'll do it for free. You know. And to be honest with you, I mean, that's one of the things that I pride myself on. I don't blast it on social media, do all of that, but we do a lot in the community as far as just you know different community events that the city might be putting on, or people ask, do we got a church event, or this, that, and the third going going on, you know, can you donate? And, you know, of course we can because I feel like, you know, I was put here and the Lord blessed me with, you know, we actually could have blessed it with it, you know, that business concept for anybody. And he blessed it with, you know, me with it. And, you know, I just believe in just paying it forward and taking care of the city. So you're not a cook, you know, and uh, so where did the, how did you develop the products that you've been so successful with. <laughs> you know, outside of the, the products, even from the cooking aspect of it, yeah, you know, back in the day I would consider my people like, you know, when they meet me, they say chef this, chef that. 
Well, you know, I didn't go to culinary school, so let's get that, you know, I, I'll, I'll identify myself and say that right now. Look, I, I'm not, you know, on paper a chef, but as far as mastering what it is that I serve, you know, the fish and fries, whether it be catfish, whatever kind of fish I can, you know, fry, you know, fish to the tea, you know, the wings and fries is what we uh, specialize in. Uh, you know, we do uh, shrimp and fries, so seafood aspect of it, you know, I feel that, you know, we do it uh, just as good as a lot of the greats that, you know, came before me and is still doing it now. Um, so I'm a chef in that department. I've mastered that piece of it. Um, but was it trial and error? It was a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of trial and error. And to be honest with you, a lot of the trial and error came from being on that food truck. And being on that food truck when I didn't have any customers or anybody to sell anything to, and I was trying to figure it all out. So it was just, hey, me being on the truck and me just fixing it and experimenting with this and that. And, you know, just the menu that you see today is constantly uh, we're getting better at it and, and evolving and, and adding, you know, different things to it. But um, we've definitely uh, came up with some real good recipes, some real good flavors and mixes inside the store. Tell me how we that came to be. That is a amazing question because it kind of goes with everything that I stand for, everything that I believe in, and everything that I've been talking about. I've always been the guy, like I'm a graduate of Edna Carr High School. It's always just been about everybody. It's always been, my motto has been, we get a lot more accomplished together than we can by ourselves. So one of my favorite holidays besides Christmas is Mardi Gras. It's because everybody in this city, no matter who you are, what you believe in, how you look, it's together, and we side by side. Well, I want to back up just a teeny bit. Okay. Because how many brick-and-mortar establishments do you have now? Now I have five. And, and, and when did you go out of state? Just now? So I made a transition out of state during the pandemic. So the location that I have out of state that's in Port Arthur, Texas, is inside of Walmart. So we we did the whole McDonald's effect. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. it's in, in Port Arthur, Texas, and this location that we're currently doing that's out of state is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So this is on the campus of the University of Alabama. And I'm doing that with a friend of mine who actually works. I'm not works. Well, he does work, but he plays uh, for the Golden State Warriors, Jamichael Green. So, yeah, and he actually graduated from University of Alabama, played basketball for University of Alabama. It's just an amazing opportunity. And, you know, the people in, in Tuscaloosa have really been just open arms, just trying to help us. The, the campus has just been, you know, they just so excited. We're literally 200 feet away from the stadium. That's incredible. It is. I mean, it is a, literally a gift. It is a blessing from God. So, so you've um, got two places out of state. Two. I got two. So you've got three locally and two out of state. Correct. Is the food truck still going around? The food truck. Look, hey, we just pulled up to uh, my boy Cam Jordan. That's why I said the Saints, man. Shout out to my boy Cam. Cam hit me up uh, two weeks ago, and uh, we uh, cooked for the defense. So Demario Davis, all of those. Well, I, me and Demario does he does dinner with the Davises. So we that's a community service event that we do all the time. So got a chance to pull up on them and cook for the Saints. Uh, 
you know, that who that, we that, like, you know, I'm diehard. Like, I remember, you know, going to Saints games with my grandfather, you know, back when I was eight, nine years old. You know, oh, yeah. I've been a Saints fan. You know, I that's I bleed black and gold. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we've cooked for the Pels. We've cooked the, the Saints and Pels rolled out their handbook. They invited us over there. Um, we have a food truck program that we just partnered with Ashner, uh with the food truck. So we're doing things at their main campus where we're allowing, you know, people that can't don't really have time to leave and, you know, get away from the hospital. They can come down and get food trucks and they have different food trucks out there. So, um, we, you know, we do a lot of different events. If people call us and they, they need us, we're going to do it. You know, we, we're going to help you out. What's your philosophy been about social media and what's it done for you and how do you handle it? Tell me a little bit about that amazing exposure and growth you've experienced. My secret is, is trying to stay as organic as possible and keeping up with the trends and everything that's going on. So I post a lot. I post at least four or five times a day because it's no difference between me posting the food and you being at home and watching social media and watching commercials and listening to the radio, all that is so much media coming at you at one time. You do your own social media. You got all these. When do you sleep? Like how in the world? What do you do for Greg? You know what? To be honest with you, I've just now uh, I'm just being as transparent as possible. I'm just now doing for Greg. And what I mean by that is, is that. You know, I'm pulled in so many different directions, right? Um, but it's just like I'm getting to the point where it's in some I can't do everything. I can't be everywhere. Um, I've started to prioritize, you know, what I can do and what I can't do. Um, I've changed my diet up. I've been, you know, exercising a lot more. Tell me about your food line, how you yeah. developed it and where it's available. Yeah. So, you know what? This is what I'm, I'm I'm most excited about because, to be honest with you, it's been a lot with opening up a restaurant, in and out, all of the ins and out that go from it, especially if you're doing it from the ground up. So it does become a lot at times. But where I have the most fun is, is creating. I, so I started out with the garlic parmesan and the Creole seasoning. Shout out to my boy, Chef Will Jones. Chef Will Jones is Anthony Davis's personal chef. Uh-huh. Anthony Davis is a friend of mine. Yeah. So I got him a mirror on the wall. We also got the brow special, which is named after him. Uh, two-piece fish with fries and shrimp down the middle. Um, you know, and you know, <laughs> and if you go on his social media, you scroll down. You know, he's been supporting me since the food truck. So he connected me with Chef Will Jones. And then uh, Chef Will Jones, we was working hand-in-hand with Chef Leon. Rest in peace to Chef Leon. Used to be at the terminal, the head chef over there. Uh, he kind of helped me come up with the recipe with the Creole seasoning. Uh-huh. So this happened like in 2018, and um, we was pushing it. Um, I'll never forget, man, I had a sit-down meeting with Chris Acosta. Shout out to my boy Chris um, <laughs> at Rouse's, man. And he, he was, at the time, he was over um, the seasonings and stuff like that. And I sat down, I told him, I said, look, Say, bro, I just need an opportunity. I said, I promise I'm going to market. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He gave me shelf space with two items. It's We That's on it, so people were buying it. You know, it was selling in all of the stores. Oh, I was so yeah. excited to see it in the grocery store. I stopped in yeah. my tracks, and I was like, 
Damn. That's Look awesome. Look at Greg, man. That's awesome. He is rolling. That is awesome. That is No, that's awesome. It's really a blessing to even really see it. We got 16 different products. Greg, and yes. how many stores are you in? We're in all of Rouse's, and we're in 135 HEBs in Texas. What is the future, Greg? You know, you are so remarkable because it seems <laughs> so <are> like you, <laughs> you dream it yes. and you make it happen. You know, I really want to be on every aisle in the grocery store. Like, I really do. Like, I don't want to just limit myself to seasonings. I want to get into other things because, I mean, hey, look— this city loves to cook, and I want to be able to cater to everybody. And what I really, really want to do is I really want to get in that freezer. Not everybody goes out to eat every day. You know, some people, they grocery shop, like uh, me growing up with my mom, she would go, you know, shopping, and she would cook stuff to last us the entire week, you know, because, you know, and a lot of times we ate the same thing multiple times because that's just the upbringing and growing up, you know, she struggled to raise us. You know, she two, three jobs just to, you know, raise four kids. So it's just that the type of environment and the, you know, the things that I, you know, went through growing up. And that's a whole nother story. But, you know, it's just that's what keeps me motivated. You know, my family is what keeps me motivated, you know. And, and thank you for my mom, man. Shout out to my moms, man. My moms is uh literally my, my biggest supporter. And um, she's she's been there. And I, I, I haven't talked enough about her in the interview, but um, she's really my hero. Well, Greg, from one New Orleanian to the other. Yes, ma'am. Congratulations. Thank you. You just continue doing what you're doing. And, and Greg, Thank I got you. one more thing I got to ask you. <laughs> What's that? Who that? <laughs> we that. <laughs> that was Greg Tillery, owner of We Dat's Chicken and Shrimp. What is the secret to really good fried chicken? Stay tuned, and we'll explore that when we come right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats. Edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry. Now doing for chicken what they've always done for fish. Fried chicken tenders, wings, sandwiches, and more. Louisiana Fish Fry has you covered with a mix specially for chicken. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs... Louisiana flavor. And from Visit the North Shore. Discover world-class culinary flavors on the North Shore this summer. Experience the bounty of the bayou and rich culture from award-winning chefs, soulful mom-and-pop restaurants, extraordinary bakers, and creative mixologists. To learn more, request the Explore the North Shore Visitor Guide for inspirational stories, custom itineraries, and event information at visitthenorthshore.com. St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana's easy escape, just 40 minutes from New Orleans French Quarter.
Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. What is the secret to really good fried chicken? Oh my, what a loaded question that is. Frying chicken is not for the kitchen amateur, but if you've got game, here are some important things to consider. First, the chicken must be brined or marinated at least eight hours in advance. Buttermilk and crystal hot sauce make my favorite marinade. When you're ready to fry, toss each piece in heavily seasoned flour. Salt, cayenne, black pepper, even garlic powder will all be great additions to your dredge. And about those individual pieces, you'll have best results by cutting those big honkin' chicken breasts in half before marinating and dredging. If you're not using an electric deep fryer, you'll need a heavy deep skillet with sides of five inches or more in height. Many people prefer peanut oil for frying, but less expensive vegetable oil works perfectly too. It deteriorates faster though, so don't save it for future use. Life is too short to reuse frying oil. For crispy chicken, Heat that oil to 365 degrees. Add the chicken pieces skin side down and watch your oil temperature as it will drop when the chicken first hits the pan. That's a good thing because the best constant frying temperature for chicken is between 300 and 325 degrees. Cover the pot to help maintain a constant temperature. The chicken needs to cook approximately seven to eight minutes on each side. You'll know for sure when it's done, when the thickest part of the chicken reaches 165 degrees. To avoid scorched tongues, let the fried chicken pieces drain on paper towel for at least five minutes before serving. Okay, here's my own truth. I home fried chicken for the last time several years ago. In my opinion, this messy, dangerous job is truly best left to the professionals. So now, let's hear what Al Copeland Jr. has to say about fried chicken. As a second-generation chicken fryer, he certainly knows a thing or two about good Louisiana eats. New Orleans is a city well-known for its colorful characters and larger-than-life figures. Among that pantheon of personalities is Al Copeland, founder of the Popeye's Fried Chicken Empire. Under Copeland's leadership, the New Orleans-based company opened over 700 restaurants across the globe. Today, Popeye's has grown to 3,000 stores worldwide. Copeland who died in 2008, is now the subject of a new cookbook memoir entitled Secrets of a Tastemaker, written by Chris Rose, Kit Wall, and the Copeland family. The book was a long time in the making, according to our guest, Al Copeland, Jr. Al worked with his father from the beginning and now carries on the family legacy. He joined us in the studio to talk about his father and explain what motivated him to write the book. 
quite honestly, I've been working on the book for about eight years, and it, it hasn't been a primary focus, but it's been a side focus as we you know run the businesses, and uh, uh, just very excited. I wanted it to be super special, uh, super first class, and uh, and and at the at the end of the day, I think it really is. Gosh, it's really been your life's work. It was your first job. You started at the spice plant at 12, and you were in a store by 14? That's right. Well, Popeye's was founded, unfortunately, I'm going to tell my age, but Popeye's was founded in 1972. I was nine years old, and so I, I, I did some work, you know, on the weekends or whatever in the restaurant as it was founded. And uh, one of the stories there that's pretty interesting is we used to come home from school and take the labels off of some of the spices and the breadings so that for the first restaurant even the very beginning it was a secret recipe to go to that first number one store you also cite in the book about um how you had to eat a lot of very bad food for your dad to work out all of his secret recipes he spent a lot of years putting together the recipe when he started testing chicken recipes, uh, he, my mother would set him up. Uh, he'd come home from working in a donut business, and she'd have the kitchen set up. She'd have the flour. She'd have the chicken, and they'd mix a couple of different seasonings, and he'd give us some direction, and they would start frying. And if I was still up and not sleeping, uh, they would feed us some of the chicken. And, uh, yeah, we tasted some pretty rough stuff there mm-hmm. in, the, in the beginning. Well, I, I guess the smell of chicken frying is like a lullaby to you huh? that it is <laughs> I, ate, I ate fried chicken for seven years of my life six days a week and i'm still here to talk about it you know it's so funny that um he didn't the the great taste maker at least the first time in didn't trust his taste buds enough to go with that spicy flavor that he had developed and was such a ticket somehow he thought it might be too spicy, and that was that was his first run at this. It, what was the name of that first business before Popeyes? It was called Chicken on the Run, and it's an interesting story because uh, he wanted to do it, uh, but he's also one of the things that's made him so successful is he's extremely, you know connected to the community and and is a great common sense kind of guy, a street guy, and understands you know common sense and when some of his advisors got a chance to taste the chicken for the first time. They said, this is fantastic chicken. It's spicy. And the problem is, back in that day, fried chicken business was uh, just a storefront. There were no seats and there were no drive throughs that existed in the country. Hmm. And so fried chicken was equal to pizza as it was a t- take-home for the family type of product. And the common sense was that this is a great product, but kids won't eat it, and fried chicken is for families. So, you know, great idea, but I don't think it'll sell. And so we opened, uh, he opened a concept. He kind of went off of a Kentucky Fried Chicken knockoff and and said, well, okay, that that makes sense. He altered the recipe, and he tried something, uh, and he opened it as uh, chicken on the run. Your dad was a business genius with a 10th grade education, so his street smarts really served him well. And I love the references to all of Al's rules. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one, start out with determination. Goodness knows he certainly had determination. Number two, 
You've either got to be the best or not do it at all. That's right. But he was so smart, that third rule to know, have a roadmap when you start out. Mm -hmm. Because he certainly figured out where he wanted to go, and then he made that map about how to get there. That's right. No, he always had a plan. He actually uh, drafted it on the back of a napkin or uh, a piece of paper. It was always pretty scratchy, but no one else could put this vision on paper. It was only his <laughs> vision of how he was going to proceed. And your dad always claimed that that was Popeye Doyle from the French Connection and not Popeye the Sailor Man. How did the Sailor Man end up having to be on helicopters and boats? Well, uh, he did get the name from the movie The French Connection. Um, Popeye Dora was the, was the tough guy in the movie, uh, and he leaned over to my mother and said, I think I want to name it Popeye. She was in search of the name. She said, you're crazy. Popeye's eat spinach, not chicken. <laughs> and uh, he said, yeah, as he thought through the movie, he just caught it thinking about it. He said, no, because this is going to be a spicy chicken recipe, and it's going to be so spicy it's going to pop your eyes. So it had a, a kind of a different meaning. It was a, it was attempting to communicate, but Popeyes was a recognizable character. Uh, well, this went on for a little while until uh, King's Features took notice, who was uh, has control of the Popeyes character, and they came uh, with a cease and desist letter, and so it forced us to have to make a deal with them with Popeyes. Uh, the, he did make a deal with them, and included in that deal was the use of the characters. So then Popeye, the character, had become a fixture in Popeye's the Fried Chicken. One of the other things that your dad was really a genius at was acquiring talent. Mm -hmm. Anybody who drives around sees that Lamar Berry name on billboards mm -hmm. everywhere, but Lamar Berry really got his start working in marketing for your dad, didn't he? No, that's right. Uh, yeah, Lamar was really good, came on at the right time. Uh, that's where I love that chicken from Popeye's came from. All, all those commercials with uh, really bringing New Orleans uh, to the nation through the media. Uh, with the, the Mardi Gras and the dancing bands on Bourbon Street and, and the food and the culture was really brought to life for the world to see. Uh, you know, He was representing New Orleans in a very, very big way while he was promoting his chicken. And he would take pieces of our culture and use it in interesting ways in the marketing. For instance, the free chicken doubloons. <laughs> that was a time. We opened the pot pies on Canal Street. That restaurant, we had a balcony that would protrude out towards Canal Street that would be built for the Mardi Gras parades. And then came the Popeye's doubloon. And what we would do is throw this doubloon off the balcony and off floats. We'd give them bags that throw off of floats. And it was good for two free pieces of chicken right now, free. Didn't have to buy anything. You walk into any Popeye's restaurant, get head of your doubloon and get two pieces of chicken. Wow. Like free money. And people went crazy. The cops were begging us to stop throwing them. You know, people were climbing the poles and it was it was just sick. And and, and people we ran out of doubloons. We had to go back and recycle through the restaurants to keep throwing more doubloons and 
it was it was wild. But I tell you what, from that moment on, Popeyes has been the official chicken of Mardi Gras. It was just a genius move. And your dad's genius, genius move, maybe the top one of all, was the secrecy and diversified foods and seasonings. Let's talk about that big bump in the road. It's it's another one of your dad's rules. You got to have a back door. Let's talk about the back door and what diversified foods and seasonings really did. Diversified foods and seasonings was the back door. Uh, you know, he, he entered into a move was like the goldfish that swallowed the whale uh, with the acquisition of Church's Fried Chicken. And uh, we had had about uh, 700 restaurants at the time. They were more than 2,000. And, uh, you know, uh, there were some savings and loan crisis, and there were some financial structural problems back then. He was very, very proud of the fact that he didn't close any restaurants in that process, and he had $50 million in the bank. But in that process, Popeye's uh, recipe was declared by a judge, a trade secret. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that was, was because no one except for him had ever had full exposure of what that recipe was. And for that reason, you know, he was awarded uh, the recipe and uh, the franchisees really bought into Popeye's for the purposes of that recipe. It really represented what Popeye's was. Now the brand is owned by a big international company it's still really new orleans cajun american flavor well that's right i mean to this day uh, i entered into a uh, a contract with popeyes um it was in 2014 it's a 20-year contract to 2034 to supply them with all these recipes all of the cooked foods all the red beans and rice in the world are made at a manufacturing plant in Madisonville. Those things that make up Popeye's today, almost everything you taste, has some influence from diversified foods. He was busy with that, but your dad just wasn't a man to rest. He went on to create another brand that you're still successful with today, Copeland's. That's right. The number one thing I take away from this whole thing is... What a special family you come from, and what a family business this remains today. What's happening with the third generation? Who's coming up after you, Al? Tell me about the business today. Well, I'm still young and still kicking, so <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, I'm gonna. Um, I'm, I'm. I'm really. Uh, proud of what we've been able to accomplish and I really give all credit to my team I mean they do a great job and you continue to learn from my dad and hire the right people qualify them put them in the right spots in order to do the right job Uh, that's allowed me to be successful in the businesses I pursue Uh, the next generation really is my children Allison uh, is leading the restaurant division. Uh, my daughter is a uh, director of purchasing. My, one of my daughters is uh, leading the marketing department. Uh, they represent, you know what the greatest thing about having family and business is they do the right thing when no one's looking. And it, that means so much that you, know, you can trust that you don't have to worry about the business, uh, that they're 
they really care about it as much as you do. That was Al Copeland Jr. talking about Secrets of a Tastemaker, the book and its inspiration, his father, the one and only Al Copeland. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where over a decade of Louisiana Eats is available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. And don't forget to rate us on your preferred podcast platform. Louisiana Eats is made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, Visit the North Shore, and Camellia Beans, celebrating their centennial with an innovative new product, Beans for Two. Camellia's new Red Beans for Two and White Beans for Two include everything needed to cook two authentically seasoned bowls of beans, scaled for today's smaller households. Learn more at CamelliaBrand.com. And from D'Agostino Pasta, celebrating our culture with fleur-de-lis, crawfish, and alligator-shaped pastas. All handcrafted in Louisiana, just as it's been done in Sicily for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Original theme music composed by David Pomerleau and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner, producers Blake Longlinay and Steve Himmelfarb, with writing contributions from Becky Retz, and to our business manager and social media maven, Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting. (laughs) 